Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. There's that learning curve. You have to put that work in of learning something new before you can get the outcome that you want if you've never really learned much about nutrition or if you've never learned principles of intuitive eating. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast, where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Your host, integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler, helps health conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, on to the show. Okay, today on The Less Stress Life, I'm happy to welcome back, I believe it's a welcome back, to my friend Dr. Lee Wagner. Dr. Wagner is an integrative and functional medicine dietitian in virtual private practice. She helps women increase their energy, decrease their pain, fix digestion, and balance hormones with personalized nutrition. She's the creator of Mind Your Body, a program for women to tune into their bodies and find out what foods make them feel their best without obsessing over every single bite. And she's the co-editor of the textbook, which is more like a giant encyclopedia (laughs) called Integrative and Functional Medicine, Medical Nutrition Therapy, Principles and Practices, along with a past guest, Dr. Jeannie Drisco. And I have not had Diana Noland, who's one of the other mothers of functional medicine. So Lee's had these beautiful mentors in her life, which is awesome. She lives in Kansas City with her husband, Rob, and their dog, Jake, and escapes to the mountains as often as possible. Welcome, Lee. Thanks, Krista. It's fun to be back. Yeah. So I know last time we talked about, I think, a little bit of the road to your journey a little bit. Road to, I think it was an episode I said, hey, a lot of students should listen to this because it's just interesting how you kind of discover your path. But I just wanted to riff for a moment on, I was telling you off air, it's fun to hear fun facts. And I know your husband, Rob, he's kind of an artist, kind of a comic artist. Oh, and, yeah. and then also you guys recently, I think, had just escaped to the mountain. You'd love to get off the grid for at least a week at a time or for a week every year. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about that and how you pick those places. Well, I do not pick the places, but I agree to go. So my husband loves researching and planning. He's an Enneagram six that definitely leans five in terms of uh, planning trips. So he is a big researcher. And then he makes sure that there aren't any crazy passes or too high of open heights or too much exposure that I will freak out because I am afraid of open heights. So we went to Wyoming, um, south of the Tetons, a couple hours and we did a four day backpacking trip a couple weeks ago and just got back and 
It was much needed time off the grid. I was actually saying on the hike to some the friends we were with and Rob, my husband, that I fear the day that they actually have cell signal in um, wild places like that because now it just feels like a relief. You know, we take all the precautions and we have like an emergency SOS uh, satellite phone thing that makes us feel safer, but it's definitely a much needed time to unplug. You know, it's funny because... I love how everything is always connected. And at least a week or two ago, uh, well, this this episode will be coming up. I interviewed someone who her whole business is backpacking nutrition, essentially, right? Backcountry oh. backpacking nutrition because she was really dissatisfied with the options that were out there. And so like her whole premise cookbooks website is all based on that. So that's going to be a fun and now she's living in a van with her husband. So that was a fun episode. And then I am also interviewing next month, Florence Williams, I read her book a year or two ago, it was kind of it was actually an audible, she has a different version of the book now, but it was kind of a 90 minute audible felt NPR style. It was very fun to listen to. And it was really kind of following stories of like some very different groups. And they had all gone out into nature. And basically, they kind of measured heart rate variability and some things. And after a few days in the nature, they had stress resilience. So of course, I found that fun and fascinating. So I love that. And I can feel it. You know, we didn't measure ours, but um, (laughs) it's certainly you just feel different coming back first exhausted. But secondly, just so you just like see things differently when you're out in the middle of nowhere and in the stars and fresh air and sleeping out with the sounds of nature. So it's pretty cool. Totally. So today we're going to get into something that I think needed to be talked about. We've talked about talking about it on the podcast for a (laughs) while, which is really this unspoken divide in the nutrition world. Sometimes, especially I just see it on Instagram, there is a divide between intuitive eating and this haze approach. It seems to be portrayed in stark contrast to integrative and functional medicine. And I have friends that I feel do a beautiful job of marrying this. And I think we need to bring more light to this and the necessity and help people understand. So here's the deal. There's a lot of savvy people listening to this, but this affects everyone, right? Like these are important things. This is a foundational stuff in our life. Like we all eat. So it relates to all of us. So first, before we jump into all the things, I'd love for you to kind of give us your definition of each of those worlds, the intuitive eating and haze world approach, and then also the integrative and functional medicine approach. How would you define those for our listeners? Yeah. So, I mean, without going into kind of formal definitions of each of those, the way that I see them in their approaches is the intuitive eating and health is at, at every size. And they're two distinct things. They're not, they're not the same, but there's tons of overlap. But Intuitive eating is this, you know, evidence-based approach to eating that provides freedom to choose all foods. It helps people tune into their bodies and get in tune with their hunger and fullness signals. It gives food freedom. I'm putting that in quotes because that's often a term that you'll hear posed. And, you know, you can have the donut and you can have the salad and everything in between and health at every size, which I love that this is an emerging realm of nutrition is that we can be healthy at every size and that just because we're in a certain body or weight status, it doesn't define health. As you have probably worked with, you know, people who would fall in the quote normal weight category who are extremely ill. And we've worked with clients who would fall in the quote overweight category that are some of the healthiest people that we work with. Or maybe we don't work with them because they are so healthy and they're not seeking our services. But 
it's basically just not defining health by weight, which so much of our messaging in media and social media and everywhere is that you're only healthy if you're a certain weight or size and you're unhealthy if you're not. And as anything in the nutrition and health world goes, there's so much more gray than that. And I don't even want to paint it as a, it's either you're in the intuitive eating and health at every size camp, or you're in the integrative and functional nutrition camp. And and obviously, this is why we're talking. So I guess I want to talk about some of the messaging that we'll hear most often in social media or media is the food freedom and anti-diet culture with the intuitive eating and health at every size, which I agree with a lot of that. It's just how we frame it to people. Because the main goal I have is that people are already so confused. And so (laughs) when we nutritionists, nutrition professionals, I'll say, because a lot of people are kind of claiming that they know or have a lot to say about nutrition, but we need to help people in the public wade through what's best for them. So for some, it's really important to only have the intuitive eating and, and health at every size messaging. For some, you know, from the Institute for Functional Medicine or Integrative and Functional Nutrition approach, you know, if we need to dig into what's going on with them, if they're dealing with a chronic condition, whether it's skin or energy or hormones or digestion or all of the things, if we need to get to the bottom of that, we don't want to ignore that. So the integrative and functional nutrition approach is what we see as personalized care that digs into the root of the problem. What people will hear sometimes in the media, the messaging that emerges is eliminate all the foods, all foods, all things are toxic. We have to, you know, clean up all the toxicity and that gut health means bone broth and probiotics. (sighs) And (laughs) Sorry, I say I literally feel like those words have come out of my mouth almost verbatim. Um, (laughs) That like gut health does not equal bone broth and probiotics. But right, exactly. And so I guess what we see is emerging. And now that we're both mid career, we can see this a little bit more clearly is that there's some truth in both camps. But the more extremely you get into either camp, the more of a disservice we're doing to our clients and to the public, especially when we're sending messages, when we post on social media, we're not just talking to our single client that may need to hear that message. We're speaking to all kinds of people that are on every end of the health spectrum, but also every end of the spectrum of their relationship with food. And that's where I guess I have some compassion and get a little bit fired up about. Well, the whole conversation gets a little fired up, honestly, online. So I think I want to just reiterate some things that I wrote down and pulled out from what you said. So the intuitive eating health at every size camp is often presented as kind of anti-diet culture. And you described it as food freedom, which is intriguing because I also think about what the work I do in integrative and functional medicine leading to food freedom, because people are and you would say the same thing. People are relating symptoms to food and I want them to help them eliminate those symptoms from food, right? Like I want those foods to fit in again that they feel like, because you know what happens? People get scared to eat when the food they're eating makes them feel crappy when they start to become aware of that. And that's a problem. So that needs to be fixed as well. So, you know, we get a little bristly if someone is like, I think sometimes each camp can feel attacked a little bit. What was also interesting is that You described, you know, health at every size as, 
you know, someone who is maybe not like fitting on a weight chart, like blah, whatever, as being a really healthy person and someone who is of a normal, quote, unquote, like what we've been textbook normal weight being very unhealthy. You know, I never think about that verbally out loud. I just like that's just part of my like, oh, yeah, that's a truth. But like, that's always been a truth, right? So I never even thought about it. And it's like, funny, because health at every size literally says that. And I never think about it in the way that you say it right there, because it's just innate in my brain. So um, that's a great point. But like, so there's clear overlap, because it's food freedom. And I think we could all agree that like, weight doesn't indicate health, it's the other symptoms and things, it's awareness of body, etc. So like, I think that that goes in both camps, no matter what is, I always say like the greatest gift I want you to have at the end of this process is so much more self-awareness of your own body, right? Now, do you need more in the body image and body love category? Maybe for sure, right? There's a whole, and we could talk about that. And that's, that's a good point. And what one of my questions was, let me finish, because you talked a little bit about integrative and functional medicine, you talked about personalized nutrition, and it gets viewed as elimination and cutting foods, etc. But what is missed maybe in the actual what's going on behind the scenes is lab work, seeing where the trends are going, seeing if there's deficiencies that need to be filled, so you don't feel crappy, improving how the microbiome is working so you don't have food things. So my question is, you had said something about sometimes the haze and intuitive eating approach is really best for a certain person. So who's that best for? So I guess in my very biased opinion, I think a combination of both are best. And But if somebody is really struggling with uh, disordered eating or the main emerging problem they're having is obsession around food and preoccupation with food, or they feel that based on their body size that they're discriminated against, which is so common, or they're not accepted by some healthcare providers. Because as you know, I mean, some health accounts, healthcare providers are, you know, posting, you know, all about the obesity epidemic and don't share the nuance of how the BMI is such a limited view on health. And so there's not necessarily just one single type of person that needs that intuitive eating approach. But I see it as being more what resonates with you in the moment and what you're struggling with most. And if it does feel like your relationship with your body, your relationship with food, tuning into hunger and fullness cues, although I will say, I think a really key aspect of integrative and functional nutrition that we can help people with that makes the waters really muddied with intuitive eating is that if every time you eat, you get distended and bloated and uncomfortable or gassy or have to run to the bathroom. How do you tune in your body and listen to your body and eat intuitively when your body seems to be rebelling against you? And that's where I work closely with a, a counselor, a therapist in the area who we refer back and forth with. And she works a lot with clients with disordered eating and eating disorders and she'll work with clients who have these chronic symptoms that are trying to eat intuitively, but their bodies are not <laughs> matching up. And that's where we can really dig in as integrative and functional providers to what is causing that problem. Yes, you know, if you eat a ton of broccoli and you get bloated, like that happens. I'm not trying to say that you should never, ever feel bloated or never, ever have gas. But if you look six months pregnant every, after every time you eat, or if you're having to run the bathroom, you know, minutes after you're eating, 
there's something going on. And it's not just a matter of you need to really tune into your signals of hunger and fullness. So that's where I think there's a lot of gray area that we can both learn from each other in in our respective camps and hopefully have a lot more crossover of the Venn diagram. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely crossover, but those that are dealing with some variety of disordered eating, and I think I have an episode with Melanie Rogers, and I don't know if it happened before or after this episode, but she works a lot with disordered eating in New York. And she really goes through what that kind of looks like, because sometimes we don't have a diagnosis, but we have a very unhealthy food relationship. And I would put that under the same piece. If our food relationship and our body relationship is very poor, you really need to do something there first, because that's not going to go away just when your body changes. Like there's always going to be something else, right? Like there's an underlying unhappiness there just to oversimplify it, I guess. I find that people find us in that relationship. So they may have eliminated all the foods and they may have, you know, done Whole30 or they've been vegan for a while or they've done keto or all of those things. And then they read about what we do and they're like, oh, Lee's going to give me the perfect list of foods. She's going to know exactly the list that I can eat and then I can follow her rules. And then that will be what I'll follow for the rest of my life. And those are the people who are a little bit sneaky in that I have to remind them, no, I'm not here to give you the new list of no foods and the list of yes foods. I'm here to help figure out what is actually going on in your body And how can we liberalize and make your diet as flexible as possible so you don't have to be beholden to a list of foods? And like I find with SIBO, people with small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and and other similar conditions, but their list of foods gets so small because they associate every food with a symptom Mm. that it's sometimes hard to get them to eat. So it's sometimes catching the sneaky people where they're like, I just need a personalized plan. And yes, in a way they do, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh gosh, I'm going to rock their world when I'm not actually giving them the yes and no list Mm -hmm. that's going to be their forever list of foods. Right. I'll tell people, sometimes we'll do some food modifications. It's like sitting on the couch with a broken ankle, but you can't sit on a couch forever. You know, like that's not (laughs) going to work. So you need, you're going to need to go in and do some work for the broken ankle and then you can run again. And that's going to be awesome. So essentially... I've felt the exact same way. This is where I think it's important for the clinician here to also recognize this. And I think for the client to be open to this, because I see it as both camps. Sometimes someone's like, yep, I really need this. And sometimes I also hear from them. I think this is what I'm supposed to do. So this is why I'm talking to you. But in there, what I really hear is that that's not what they want to do. And I'm like, perfect. You don't have to do it that way. There's more than one way to do everything. So sometimes you can provide relief to someone like they could have gone down a path of restriction and they don't need to. Right. And so we can help, we can help give them the relief of saying, Hey, if we work on this from more of a microbiome standpoint or whatever, we can relieve this. Like it's going to take a minute you know, and we'll get there. And so what we're really looking for is the broadest diet possible, not a super restrictive thing forever and ever and ever. That's Mm -hmm. always kind of the end goal here. So synergy, right? Between the two worlds for sure. So to back up, if someone's got a really unhealthy body image or disordered eating, then intuitive eating and haze and body image work, etc. And I like continually buy books on this, right? Because I'm like, okay, what can I provide as a resource? Because sometimes it pops up, as you said, I don't catch it initially. Like it's not extra clear. Sometimes it is pretty darn clear. I mean, you can pretty much pick up on things, but sometimes it's not super duper clear. And I really want, and sometimes I'll, I'll just read it on their intake form and like, Oh, 
Didn't catch that. Yeah. <laughs> didn't catch that that was in the history there. Um, so I always am super careful because we don't want to trigger something from the past. So we have to be aware. I think we need education in both worlds no matter what. But I think we also need to be a little bit more respectful of either side because sometimes that's the issue I'm seeing out there is that it's kind of a prickly divide a little bit. Definitely. So people sometimes working at like, you literally see these Facebook posts and it's like, this person wants to blah, 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 lose weight. And like, ensuing attacks in the comments from like disordered eating dietitians. I get that, but like not everyone has that issue. So the people over here who are like, Oh my gosh, I have to run to the bathroom every time, you know, I eat like they need something else. They need that. And that's not the only situation, but sometimes it's headaches or just fatigue or just, it's just like discomfort and like not feeling good in your body and you need help feeling good. And it's beyond just tuning into your body. It's more like there's something else going on as you had already stated. So just trying to really reiterate, I hope we're making sense for the listeners. I do too, but I think it will resonate because they're seeing these messages out there and they're feeling so confused about it. They're like, well, what is the right thing? Should I stop dieting or do I need to be eliminating all the foods? And it's like, it doesn't have to be either or, and it doesn't have to be so extreme. Another group of people that I think really need intuitive eating approach is the principles. So it's a set of 10 principles is yo-yo dieters. So people who chronically dieted over and over and over and over again, and then again, they want you to give them the new list. It's like, okay, let's back up and we have to shift our mindset around what you think nutrition is and what you think quote healthy eating is because um, it's very rarely if ever taught that it's something that you can learn on your own or that you can actually learn to trust yourself. So I would say chronic dieters would be another really good fit for learning the principles. You know, this is a good point here. And I hope it's okay. I bring in your own story. I don't totally know your own story here, but this makes me think, so we're talking about this. It's sort of hopeful, but it's like, okay, cool. What do you do? So how does someone create a healthy relationship with food if they have been part? Because there's a whole generation almost, at least a decade or more of people that, well, it's a generation of people that were really conditioned for yo-yo dieting, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we're moving past that a bit in the future, but it's you can't just erase a decade so or like two decades. So how do you work on having a healthy relationship with food? And maybe also you'd want to share because I think you came to be in a roundabout way as well. And you have said publicly that your own issues with food relationships have shaped your current approach, which of course, goes with depth. As you spoke to mid career a few moments ago, when you've got some experience, things change, like what you say this year to people is different than what you said two years ago to people. And we could all feel (laughs) that way. So anyway, yeah, exactly. So I started studying nutrition as many nutritionists and many dietitians uh, with a disordered relationship with food. And I thought that learning about nutrition would, you know, it would give me the list of foods that I knew that I could then follow and strictly adhere to for the rest of my life because I would know the science of nutrition. Well, luckily, I got a course. I went to Iowa State for my undergrad. And we had a course in like nutrition counseling and we read, we had a find to read intuitive eating. And I remember the professor projecting definition put up of what was considered normal eating. And it was all of the things that was eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full and sometimes eating when you weren't hungry and eating the 
you know, the cake and it was also eating the salad and it was eating late at night or not eating because you're nervous. It was like every end of the spectrum of why a person would eat and that was considered normal eating. And for whatever reason, that just clicked with me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been such an obsessive, I mean, had disordered eating, eating disorder. I'm not sure if I ever was diagnosed with an eating disorder because I haven't looked in my medical records. You know, I went to counseling myself and worked with actually a registered dietitian who was also a counselor. And I always say she saved my life, but it was a huge turning point to read intuitive eating, to study it in class, to learn this definition of normal eating. And it gave me just a whole new perspective on nutrition. So that was kind of my, at the end of undergrad, that's where I really embraced all of the aspects of nutrition. I was a little bit jaded by what we learned in undergrad as, as an integrative and functional medicine provider. Now I can understand why that is. So then I fell into integrative medicine through a demonstration kitchen in the graduate program and um, dietetic internship I did here at, in Kansas City and then started working in integrative and functional medicine. And I could see the stark contrast between the two. And even in the way that some of the providers I was working with and for their, you know, disordered approach sometimes to eating and how they would tell patients, well, they just need to eliminate this list of foods. And in my mind, knowing I was going to get to work with these patients, luckily, the doctors I worked with were super supportive of my approach. And so I could say, okay, I know that they said that we're going to eliminate these foods, but we're going to try to figure out what foods are making you could maybe be contributing to the symptoms that you're having and test some things out, see how your body responds, and then let's get flexible. The idea is not that you're eliminating these foods the rest of your life. You may choose to because it makes you feel your best. And that's the when we get into the all foods fit, that's a really hot topic and a really fiery topic in between these camps because we have seen as integrative and functional providers, and for me personally, eliminating a certain food actually gave me freedom to live my life in a way that had more flexibility that I didn't have to run to the bathroom <laughs> after a meal or that I had better energy and less fewer migraines. And I'm not saying that everyone just needs to eliminate foods for that, but that may be part of the plan. And it doesn't mean that that person has an eating disorder or disordered eating because they need to eliminate a certain food or choose to eliminate a certain food to feel their best. I think this is your story is important because it's a very, very, very large percentage of people that go into nutrition that have some disordered eating tendencies. Do you see that? You were a professor. I think you are a professor still, maybe. Are you, I do left, you see that? I left my adjunct position, but yes, absolutely. We gravitate toward things that I think we need to for healing. And so if we're open to all the different things that nutrition has to offer, that's what I think the beautiful part of marrying these two worlds together is that if we are open to the idea coming from a functional nutrition world that somebody might eat a sugary donut that has no like phytonutrients or doesn't have, you know, resistant starch or it's just because the donut tastes really good that that's okay sometimes for a person to have. But it's also okay if a person chooses to avoid it because they know they're going to feel like crap. So on the flip side from the intuitive eating world, we also need to accept that somebody may say like, yeah, if maybe I'm craving a donut right now, but I'm not going to eat it because I know what it's going to make me feel like. And, and actually how there's so much 
more uh, synergy between the two. So yeah, I definitely see disordered eating and eating disorder. Hopefully, hopefully we all kind of keep working on our, our own issues. And, and you're right. We, the things that I said when I first started, you know, 10 years ago, I even had a client recently who reemerged after many years. And she was like, the leave that said, you know, you can never have any sugar anymore. And I was just, my jaw dropped. I was like, did I really say that to you? And she said, yes. And so, I mean, I kind of can't believe it, but if I probably did. And how horrible and horrified am I that maybe I presented that idea to somebody, but that's where if we keep learning and growing, both within ourselves and through our clients, then we can do so much better for who we work with now and into the future. This is a perfect segue because one, if you're listening to this, I applaud you and I'm so happy you're here because that means you're interested and bridging this and make doing better for future clients for yourself. But also so we're thinking about this as individuals. But I see and as practitioners, right? So I want to talk about the practitioner standpoint, because I think that's important in a moment. But I think as parents, we're also our own kind of practitioner, right with our kids. And so our unhealthy relationships with our body get projected on them. And we create that in the next generation. So it's key for us to work on ourselves so we can give our children a better future. And I don't care if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, if you're a doctor, if you're some kind of other health professional or someone that's working with someone, right? Or if you're a friend and you're projecting that. I'm just saying, you know, this like kids are very impressionable on this, right? And we have all kinds of impression. What other impressions are our kids getting? I mean, that's like a different conversation. So the question is, really, you were speaking to you were working with great people. Like you, I mean, your experience was, I recall, you had some disordered eating stuff. You went to undergrad. You were a little burned out. You kind of traveled the US in between here and there, I think. And then mm-hmm. came back and kind of met integrative functional medicine. And it really resonated with you. Like, oh my gosh, of course I want to address the root cause. This is always what I wanted, which I find that a lot of listeners will reach out to me and say, I didn't know this is what I was looking for. I'm really curious about this because it sounds so much like I think in our profession, we train alongside pre-med students. And then we're like expected to hand out dash diets and just crap like that. And it's like, give me a break. I didn't do biochemistry for this crap. Like I need to, I need my my brain flexed. So anyway, you get into this integrative functional medicine program. You have this actually pretty robust program at KU Med Center for quite a while. You see the providers and they're saying with their limited time that they have, right? That's a beef of mine is just like our model is challenged, you know, a little bit with time because we need to give people time. But so there's limited time. We try to send some messages home with people. You're fortunate that you get to intercept them and you get to help them have a little bit more of a healthy relationship rather than like, okay, just avoid this forever. But here's the deal. How do we improve for the future? Like we're having this conversation. It's nice theory, like nice conversation. It feels good. But how do we change our actions? How do we improve our actions? Because it's not like it's like, cool, go take this class, per se, you know, like, there's disconnects in our education, you were fortunate in your undergrad to be assigned to read a book that resonated with Mm -hmm. you, and to see some things that very clearly, how often who can say in their education, they remember a slide in the front of the classroom. (laughs) right? Like who can remember those particular slides? So that is imprinted. It's kind of silly what gets imprinted in your brain sometimes. 
Mm-hmm. Just thinking of some that popped up in my brain the other day, like <laughs> just a stupid thing. Like, why do I remember that from being 10 years old? It doesn't matter. But how do we improve? Right? So if you're a practitioner listening to this, if you're a, a mom listening to this, like, where do you grow or you're a student or you're an educator? Where do you grow? How do you get better? Like, what's the next step to improve this? Yeah. So as practitioners, I think one of the main things we have to do and remind ourselves we're doing is we have to really find out the person's health goals and that they may be different than ours. So if they want to eliminate a symptom or if they want to have less anxiety around food or if they want to know whatever it is health-wise, we have to really listen and keep coming back to that or have the... (laughs) wisdom and humility to say, I may not be the best person to work with you, especially if they're really wanting you to just give them another diet, unless they're very open to the idea of you basically saying you don't need another diet, you probably need to heal your relationship with food. And sometimes that is the case. And they realize like, like you said, Oh, I didn't know that's what I needed. But that's really what I needed. I just graduated a or, you know, finished up with a a client I'd been working with for several months. And she was like, I signed up with you. I didn't say this, but I wanted to lose the weight. And she goes, now I get it. And maybe she's like a couple pounds lighter than when we started, but her skin's cleared, her digestion is cleared. I mean, it's just world's different. So um, she feels good in her body. Yeah, she feels, yeah, like she can do what she really wants to do in her life. And that's, Number one, we need to listen to their goals and find out really what they want to do in their life and help them get there. So find out what's going on, what is their nutrition status and what's going on in their body, whether it's through a really in-depth nutrition assessment with lab testing, um, really in-depth interview and symptom review. And then find out what foods, what nutrients that they need or potentially that they need less of a lot of times people come in on lots of supplements they've just read about and put themselves on and we need to remove some things. So what really will help them achieve those goals through nutrition? And then helping them incorporate these things into their life without obsessing over food or thinking, having guilt and shame around food choices. So as they're making changes, and if they do eat whatever it might be that you remind them, it's not that you should never, ever have that food. But here, let's go back. Let's talk about what your goals were. You wanted to have clear skin. You wanted to have more energy. You wanted to have you know, healthy digestion or regular digestion, predictable digestion. Those are the things you wanted. These are the food choices you're making. How is that fitting together? And sometimes they'll, it'll make their journey a little bit slower to healing. And sometimes They may reverse direction for a while because they've made certain choices, but it doesn't mean that they can never have certain foods. Whether we as practitioners want to believe it or not, the patient or client can do whatever the heck they want, (laughs) period. And they're going to. So they need to remember that, that when they say, well, you know, okay, starting now, this is going to be just the rest of my life and I'm never going to touch added sugar again. That's probably not true. And you don't even necessarily want that to be true because you want them to enjoy their life, but you want them to incorporate these changes without becoming overly obsessed with every bite. And then simultaneously, as you're fixing the microbiota, as you're working on gut health, as you're repleting nutrients or, you know, shifting food choices and shifting their food intake, then you're simultaneously helping them tune in to listen to their body. Using this as biofeedback, like you said, you want to leave your clients 
with a better sense of their tuning into and listening to the messages their body is sending them. So that in addition to what just sounds good to them to eat, which we want them to be able to honor, but also using that biofeedback from how they're eating as a barometer for their food choices. So like if they learn that every time they have, I don't even want to name a food, but anytime they have this certain meal that they feel sick or they get a headache or they get super bloated or gassy and it's super uncomfortable and then they can choose something different the next time and that and they can learn to tune in rather than feeling like all of this stuff is just random like this stuff is happening to me it has nothing to do with the decisions i'm making so connecting those and then when you can get people feeling their best or meeting those health goals without being so obsessed with a food list that's really freedom then they can just live their life and focus on things other than food i don't want people to feel like they have to think about food all day every day maybe for a while they might have to think about it a little bit more often because they have to make new decisions and learn new things but there's that learning curve you have to put that work in of learning something new before you can get the outcome that you want if you've never really learned much about nutrition or if you've never learned principles of intuitive eating yeah so that's how I see it. Hopefully <laughs> it's not um, simple as well. I think what you were going to summarize, there's not like a sound bite. We wish that there would be a little bit of a sound bite, but just take some work and exploration and sometimes sharpening counseling skills, maybe helping people look inside themselves for an answer instead of yeah, just giving and an referring. answer. Hmm? Yeah. And referring. and referring out when necessary. And also like, I just want to say sometimes it could be a matter of just unfollowing, muting, like, any of the nutrition messaging, if you just feel inundated and overwhelmed and your head is spinning with it all, just honestly take it all out of your life and then maybe come back to it after six months or ask somebody that you trust. I mean, there's no right answer. Unfortunately, there's no, but tuning into your intuition, not just around eating, but just your intuition around your knowing, your inner knowing. And I know that uh, people don't like hearing that because it sounds too woo-woo, but sometimes that voice can lead you more clearly. And you can't listen to that voice when you're trying to read all of the things that everyone else is trying to say about it. Yeah. So on this note, (laughs) as you've navigated this for clients, you decided, you know what? goodness gracious, I will make a thing if you need this. So tell us about the Mind Your Body program that you kind of recently developed and put out into the world. Yeah. So I finally just steadily through working with clients and actually (laughs) started creating it just lesson by lesson, promising a few clients that I was working with um, during that time. Okay, every couple weeks, I'll put out a new video and I essentially kind of piece together a 12 module series that starts with a lesson on mindset. And if you're familiar with Carol Dweck's work, she's an excellent researcher, I believe out of Stanford, who has defined there's been a lot more conversation about this in education, which I love the idea of fixed and growth mindset. So really, when we're trying to make changes to our health, we need to remember that just because we grew up eating a certain way, or your family eats a certain way, that doesn't mean that that has to be the way that you are the rest of your life. You can still learn new things. I have a 60-something-year-old client right now who she's like, well, isn't it too late? She literally said this to me. <laughs> like, well, you signed up to work with me, so I don't think it's too late. And we kind of got into the mindset. And then, so that's the beginning. And then it gets into the principles of intuitive eating. 
through the lens of integrative and functional nutrition. So I'm marrying the two. And then I have a module on the evidence around habits and sustained change. And through The Biggest Loser, we learned a lot that the more dramatically you change things, the less likely those changes are to stick. So we need to be really realistic with the changes that we can make and that are actually going to be changes that will sustain throughout our lives. And then just really basic nutrition information that doesn't get into the black and white. It's just pure basics and how to learn how to balance your plate and balance meals and snacks. And then I have like hundreds of recipes as resources. And that's kind of the foundation that my clients have. They can work through on their own. And then people, if they don't want to work with me one-on-one can go through as well. Awesome. Lee, where can we find you online? So you can find me on Instagram is where I hang out most often at Dr. Lee Wagner. And then on my website, drleewagner.com. Those are probably the best places. Got it. Lee, thank you so much for coming back and for talking about this topic that I think is so darn important. When you're listening to this, we'll include the links for the Mind Your Body program in the show notes and also how to find Lee. But also Lee has a nice little email series that she sends out shortly after Halloween. It's called the Holiday Preboot. And so we'll include that information as well. Thanks. Fun to chat. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 